Hello, hello, hello. Welcome back to Jersey Nerds Productions with the Stranger Nerds Podcast, Season 1, Episode 5, reviewing Stranger Things, the Flea and the Acrobat, Mitchell Lee, Connor Vandemark, Nick Izzo, and Tommy Grant here with you guys. We all had glowing reviews of the last episode, riding high off of The Body. This one directed by the Duffer Brothers, written by Allison Tatlock. I know we were feeling pretty good. And uh, how did things stack up, starting off with Connor and Nick, of course, our, uh, our newbies. How did things stack up against where you thought things were going to go? Um, I'll start on this one because I'm the one who sent the text and the thread to the group of, quote, that was an episode and a half because holy that was really good and i i really enjoyed everything that ha- happened the twists and turns the way the um the different interactions between the characters fantastic i was very happy with it yeah i was uh like connor said i was very happy with the progression of it um i thought um everything happened very very smoothly there was really no downtime for anything and uh kept you on your toes pretty much the entire time i got that text from connor while i was about halfway through the episode because i like to watch them a little bit before we get started of course tommy and i have seen this this series before well i haven't seen it multiple times i have um but i have uh my my fiance has but she'll watch it with me she loves the show this is my first time re-watching anything. So my memory of certain things, particularly the first season, is very foggy. I don't I don't remember a whole lot of particulars. I might remember kind of where things ended up or who lives and who dies. Particulars are very foggy to me, but I've really enjoyed going back and watching this. And when Connor texted me, I was thinking, I feel like I know what he just saw and why he's texting me this <laughs> and where and where he is versus so where I am right now. And it, and, it, and it brought back some memories of just sitting in my room around this time, 2017, because I started watching the second, uh, the first season right before the second season was about to come out and falling in love with the show. So I'm glad that that is something that you guys are getting to experience. And honestly, it's one of those perfect fall shows. It's got that nice level of spookiness to it. It kind of sets the mood. It's not too dark, not too scary, but it's not really. They've tried to make it more of a summer show. Uh, I know the third and fourth seasons. I think the third one worked for. I mean, and I won't get into any particulars, of course, but that was more the Fourth of July weekend that they released it, and it worked for that. But last year they released the fourth season in like. They released it in two parts, and they released the first part in late May, and I didn't really care for that. No, I mean, it was really good, but yes, you are right. This is uh, a Halloween for all kind of thing. You know, you've got those movies that are more, like, Hotel Transylvania kind of things where it's scary, but for kids, everyone can watch this, but it doesn't feel like it's for kids. And it makes me happy to see when Connor and Nick actually get excited about the show. Because I'm like, all right, we actually picked a good show worth watching. 
yes you're not just yes you're not just dragging them along mm-hmm. like yeah i'm watching this because i have to some, some shows let me give this one a 5.2 <laughs> Because, like, some shows have a slow build-up. This one, it's not too slow, but, like, we're getting to the part now where it's, like, things are really going to start going down. Comparatively speaking. Definitely one of the shows that it progresses each season. I haven't hit a standstill with the show yet. It just progresses and gets better and better, in my opinion. Yeah, I'm right there with you on this. Uh I'm excited to see where things end up as far as the grades compared to where we were. But obviously, we've got a long way to go because we have a fun and interesting episode to talk about. So I kind of want to open the floor to some initial thoughts about this one. Uh, Connor, I feel like I should lead off with you because you were the most vocal one in the group chat. And so, therefore, I want to hear what you have to say the most. Not that I don't care about everyone else's opinion, of course, but I, I, I definitely want to know. Uh, no, you know, I'm deeply offended now. I think <laughs> it's not going to talk to the rest of the episode. I'm, I'm so uh, I figured you would be, Nick. <laughs> butt hurt. Yeah, I would you, say you can save that one for the football podcast. <laughs> I would say that I really enjoyed how things are starting to weave together. And the exact, like, we'll get into more of the plot lines in a bit. But you no, know, the ending, I did not like. I don't want to, like, to jump ahead too far, but like, it's like, what the hell are you doing? And I'm like, like don't, like, even my girlfriend's in the other room, like, it's like, it's like, you're really vocal about it. I'm like, well, why not because the fact that like what are you doing <laughs> but like overall like the, the suspense with, with hopper's plot line um and like how things kind of went from like you know the dr- dramatic that uh scene that with him going into the lab and like him sneaking snooping around and the different things you saw in the lab to like i thought like they were like you no know, as a prediction from last episode no i thought like i thought we'd get caught in the lab and has, has a breakout from somewhere but like, nope, no, nothing happened. And like trying to stage it where like he had like a uh, drug infused bender. And like, I thought it was a really, I, I did not see that coming personally. And I thought that was a really interesting twist and where they were to go with that. Um, but I thought, like, overall though, I thought it was, fan- I, I was getting to our ratings later. I thought it was the best episode so far. Yeah, I had to agree. I think it was definitely the the best episode so far, in in my opinion as well. Um, I thought it progressed nicely. I mean, right away you see Hopper in the lab, and he, uh, you know, very nicely throws a, a right overhand to uh, to that security officer and uh, gets through. And um, you know, immediately, um, you know, you you see kind of the start of you know what's what's ahead and then um you know I, I i thought that it was a really good episode but there was also so many things that that made me so angry throughout it and as far as just common decision making goes um we'll, we'll, we'll get into it obviously but yeah i, I yeah, want to hear every is, single one of I your grades throughout this episode I, I, I think it was probably the the best episode as far as uh you know just how 
how it keeps you on your toes pretty much um, you know, the yeah. entire time. So with that, yeah, I think I say we dive in uh, with Hopper storylines since that seems to be the uh, the main start of the conversation here. We obviously we see Hopper breaking into you know the lab. He knows exactly where to go now because he had that nice, beautiful guided tour a few episodes ago. And we That's see right. him go right for that room that was originally taped up, and he goes in, gets confronted by the guards, knocks one out smoothly, and takes the badge from the other. Hopper's not fucking around. It was great. And he just goes right down to the belly of the beast. And what were you expecting to happen from Hopper going down there? Did you expect him to get killed? What, what were you expecting? I was not expecting him to just already <laughs> stick his hand in. You haven't watched a TV show before. <laughs> hey, you never know. They, some shows kill people this off is, left and right. This is not Game of Thrones. Punched. You never know. This is brand new to them. <laughs> no, I was Sorry, definitely saying they... Um... Oh, go, ahead. go ahead, Mitch. I was saying I kind of interrupted Nick there. Where were you going with your uh, train of thought? I wasn't really much for. I just I didn't think that he was going to uh, like attempt to stick his hand through like so quickly. I thought maybe he would just like kind of do some reconnaissance, but it, it seemed like if he didn't, you know, hear voices and get stopped, it seemed like he actually would have like, you know, went through already. Yeah, I'm glad that we saw Hopper take a little bit of an L. Because it seems like he's just been mowing down everybody the last few episodes. And I like that he goes in and have any of you have any of you seen the movie Barbarian by chance? Oh. No. Okay, that, well then I will completely stop that weird, train of thought. About a weird I movie. Have you, oh, so you have seen it? Oh, I have seen it. Once okay, they were. Well, have you seen that? There, it, it is a. Which it is one, one of the strangest movies. One of the strangest movies I've ever seen in my life. I'm not even sure I want to explain it because of all the twists and turns. But it's not a movie worth describing. It'll take too long, and too many questions will be raised. I did really like it, but it kind of reminded me of that in the exploration of kind of like an unknown place and things that get revealed. But at the same time, I like the fact that, again, he wasn't just mowing everyone down and finding everything out right away. And he just wakes up back at his house, just confused, but doing the smart thing and figuring out, you know, hey, there's got to be a wire somewhere. They're listening to me in some way, shape or form and just starts immediately tearing his house to pieces. All right, I want to backpedal here. Last spot too. I want to backpedal here real quickly because something that I noticed um, when he was in uh, what obviously was Eleven's room, um, yeah. based on a flashback later on, I, I kind of pinged it as if I was like, maybe there's other kids, but who knows? But yeah, but it definitely was Eleven's room because you can see the uh, the picture that was shown in the flashback, and she had a stuffed animal, correct? That was in that room in the bed. There were, yeah, there was a stuffed. I believe yes. it was a lion on her bed. Yeah. So the reason why I'm bringing the stuffed animal up, and I have no idea if it has any significance in the future, but that stuffed animal looked very similar to the one that later it was a random scene where the dog went to 
the buyer's like fort in the wood, Will's Will's fort that he had that uh, Joyce went into when looking for Will. And there was a very similar stuffed animal in that fort. I'm like, is there something I, going on that here? That is one hell of a catch for a I didn't even catch that. Because I'm thinking yeah. about that scene now when the dog comes and lies down. Because I'm could, thinking this is just kind of to get an emotional rise out of like, ah, you know, the dog is sad. But now that I, I'm thinking about it, there, it's got to be more of a reason. It's got to be a more of a reason for that scene. And I, that, that's the thing. I was like, I, I, cause I, I pegged the animal, like the stuffed animal. I was like, huh, like, no. Because, no, the way that so far we, we've seen the interactions between Eleven and her quote-unquote father, Dr. Brenner, is, like, it's more of, like, oh, very very cold, which it has been. But at least, like, at least she had something to, like, like to cuddle. Like, she had some, some sort of comfort in an animal or something. And then when they had the scene come up with the dog, I'm like, huh, that's interesting, the dog going through the fort. Like, I don't think it's just, like, whose dog is that? Is, is that Will's dog? Like I don't remember, I don't remember him having a dog at all. Yeah, that's another uh, thing I didn't even think about. They do have. I never saw who, them caring for a dog. They do have a dog that very rarely appears in the show because in the very first episode when Hopper and them come to the house to investigate, the dog was, the dog was there out back. That, and that's, that's what right. drew them to right. the shed. That's but yeah, right. it, it's very rarely seen, so you don't really think that you know they have a dog. Because I was like, I was like, what's this dog going to the fort? And then it goes down, and like he lays next next to that stuffed animal. I'm like, that's weird. That looks very similar to the one I did not. I did not like rewind to double check. But I'm like, I'm just gonna like I literally have like a in my on my phone like different things that, um, that that came up in the show, and like literally it says same line in Will's hideout as Eleven's room in the lab question mark like. Because I didn't know if you guys knew anything about that or not, but I'm like, that was weird. So I yeah, just want to touch I'm, that I'm before we kept going that, forward. Honestly, I've watched this show probably like four or five times now, and I never picked up on that. <laughs> <laughs> it just had. Like, I just I, I, I always thought it's kind of the emotional pull too of like, oh, this, the dog sad. Will's not I've here. Never noticed that. Look at again. You. That's one one hell of a catch for the first time going through this. So <laughs> I'll take that. And this is um, why we're doing this, people. Exactly. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah, like, I thought it was very like though. To me, like I, again, I thought Hopper was going to get caught, and like you know, I, well, he definitely did get caught. But like, I thought he'd like be like in their own personalized jail cell, like being interrogated or some shit. And nope, he's just back at home. I'm like, and why that, that would kind of humanizes his character more too? It's you know, he he is kind of the hero, if you want to even call him the hero of the show. But he doesn't win every single time. He just kind of goes in hot and heavy, hoping to get something done, but gets humbled pretty quick sometimes where, you know, like getting stabbed with a needle in the neck from behind, you know. But, of course, he's running around screaming Will's name. So I was like, it's bound to happen. People yeah. were chasing the alarms were going off. So I, I was expecting that. The word looking for is but... protagonist, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Um... <laughs> yeah, but, like, I was, I was very... I was very confused why they would like the well, I don't even want to call these guys the the federal agency the Dr. Brenner's group why would they elect to have him still out and about because of the fact that obviously he knows something obviously 
he's been already been had interactions with, I guess, two of their agents out in the wild, plus the one in the morgue. Now he's at the place, so he, he's making connections. Like, I, I think they were trying to play the card of, we know you're an important person in the town, so we can't take you off the board yet. But everybody in the town doesn't fully respect you as much as you would like them to. So if we can put you in a position where it looks like you were on a drunken pill bender, you might not Which be able to have yeah. much credibility to come back. If you back. knock down a few pegs, then anything yeah. you say won't carry much weight anyway. Yeah, they, and, that, and that call. is pretty much the card they pull. Because you see the pills all over the table, you see the beer cans. He looks like shit when he wakes up. So, And even the deputies find him after running around like a crazed lunatic with his gun outside. Don't make me start going off about these damn cops again. But we know, oh, you know, they might as well be doing our job for us. My man, do you have no investigative abilities whatsoever? <laughs> yeah, they, yeah, they, uh, they never, they that's never that's had to point. handle any sort of investigation. That dude was an idiot. But they, even, but they do relay a few important facts to us. Is They, um, they mentioned how Mark. the state troopers found Barb's car at a bus station. So the stadies are already starting to pull the uh, Barb ran away card to explain Barb's missing. And then um, they also mentioned that there's two more people that went missing in the woods nearby. So now we're getting additional body counts that we didn't even see on screen either. So it's just more and more people are going missing. And yeah, I we think haven't really gotten into the other people just yet. No. I mean, they, they didn't even... I think they mentioned their names, but as far as I know, I don't think we ever physically saw them to know who they were. No. But the only, not the, to the, my only knowledge. Know, the only thing we know is that because he mentions Merkwood, and when he brought like when they said where they were last seen, and like he's he's right making connections. I'm like, yep, yeah, like there's there's this is definitely. Cause, I'm cause he so also, happy he stuck with the Lord of the Rings reference. Um, because also, uh, I straight up uh, thought that that's what he was talking about. Um, because Hopper did touch the shit too, like like that weird. Uh, he did tell you he did touch like the gooey thing, like the like, the fleshy wall opening thing of the like what's called yes, the gate for now. Um, and I was like, so he knows he knows something's weird going on. Um, so it's definitely a. Very intriguing. Oh yeah, then he called his uh, then he called his yeah, he's called his ex-wife uh with the whole yeah, drinking thing. Get, that that, that was a, that that a call emotional chestnut. Because I fell for Hopper in that scene. I mean, just he was definitely calling his wife kind of in uh, I don't know if it was just an emotional move where he just needed someone to talk to that wasn't in Hawkins that might understand where he's trying to come from. And she instantly asks, like, oh, are you drunk? Like, even she doesn't respect him as a person, which was hard to hear. And they've got he... the, uh, the parallels going on between Hopper and Joyce. Yes. Because Hopper's got that situation, whereas Joyce has uh, Lonnie. It's Lonnie, right? It's Lonnie. Yeah. yeah, Lonnie coming around. And Lonnie's just trying to tell her how you know will's dead you're being crazy which from his perspective i would totally understand why he was thinking that 
But then it kind of gets revealed that he's only around for any money that could come for the situation, or at least it's heavily implied that that's yeah. why he's there. And it's not shocking when that comes around, but you definitely but, feel because this isn't this is someone with an opportunity to help the situation, which is something that neither Jonathan or Joyce really have much of, and it yeah. is doing exactly the opposite. I want, but, I want to say the other thing too is um before sorry to cut you off Tommy but uh no, you're fine. with Diane with he said like oh she mentions like are you drinking again where like it's like that same thing like he's been doing it this, this is not the first time he's called her and like and you and when he hangs up he hangs up when he hears the baby cry no yeah, it's like oh it's, he... it's it's the reminder that, like oh she's has another family now she's moved on. Yeah, and that that's kind of the part that really hurt me watching Hopper because he's definitely someone who hasn't moved on. He's still living in the past, trying to run from everything that he lost. And then to hear that his wife, you know, finally moved on, has her own kid, living the life he wished he could have, and now he's stuck here, basically being attacked by the government. And he's like, you know what? Fuck this. Let's go fuck some shit up. Rips out the phone when his ex wife's trying to call back, and he goes on a mission. All right, I think it's this we know and love. I was yeah, surprised I he had a phone to begin with because he again he broke everything in his house. That so is when true. he was making that call, I was like, all right, did he go down to Joyce's uh, like department store and get a phone because he broke <laughs> every single thing in his house. But hey, at least that store is doing good business because of all the phones being broken. That store is selling the most phones out of any small town, any big town. In Indiana. Yeah, they're doing very well for themselves. Yeah, I think so it's yeah, a good time so to I mean, jump over the, the, to the Joy storyline because we'll get to later when they coincide with each other. Yes. Definitely. Yeah, Joyce um, didn't have much going on this episode. Really just a lot of a lot crying. of just, you know, crying and Killing. being talked down to by Lonnie who Definitely is playing for his own interest in this game, as we, as Mitchell mentioned. Mommy's a punk ass bitch. <laughs> I'm just gonna yeah, call it. Could not have said any better. We all know Alani, and you just don't want to be the Lani in whoever's life. Don't don't be like Lani. Yeah, I I just love how he just comes in and tries to be a parent to Jonathan telling him like, Oh, you know, don't get your mother all riled up. And he's telling him to take posters down in his room. Like that's inappropriate. Just... Yeah. And get the hell out of here. Um, <laughs> also, is that some other reference that poster evil dead? I'm assuming it's an old movie. Or, yeah. Or is that, you yeah. suppose that's an yes. old movie? Oh, geez. oh my gosh, dude. I get, I'm not really, oh, that, that's a again, classic eighties horror franchise. And the new that, one was pretty good too. I yeah, I, I will say yeah, it, it's not, it's one of those that just hasn't died off yet. It's got plenty of sequels. Yeah, um, you've got Ash vs Evil Dead, Evil Dead Rises. There's one. a whole, whole bunch in between. I've probably heard of them before. Got some, you've got some homework to do, unless you don't like gore. It's a very gore heavy franchise. Yeah, I'm fine that, with gore. I have I have I have no issue with gore. Um, and you'll be all right. I it's seen almost, the saws and stuff, so I had no issue. It's with almost that. borderline saw level gore, but okay. it's very it's it's almost I don't want to say like 
not like foreshadowing or anything like that, but just kind of like a, a wink and a nod because, you know, that whole talk about, uh, like, not demons. Help me out, Tommy. I'm trying to figure out how it's connected to Stranger Things. Things rising up from under the ground type of vibe. I, Supernatural. I, I'm not 100% sure on the reference they were making. It might have just been just a little horror reference. Winking a nod. Yeah, maybe just yeah. the 80s, but I feel like there's some I, it, sort of connection. There probably is. I'll, I'll do a little research later and see if I can find something. But Alright, I, I, I just saw it was like, you know, them, like, Lonnie pointing it out, I'm like, like I, I, me not familiar with 80s or even like horror movie culture that much, like, I know some things. But like not too much in tune with them. Like, huh? Oh, that's that's interesting. That like they pointed that straight out. So, yeah, yeah, I'll have to look into that. But yeah, so shortly after that, we see Joyce kind of digging through Lonnie's stuff, finds that ad for the the lawyer, and realizes that Lonnie's there just to basically try and get money off of a lawsuit for a uh, wrongful death on I think it's the Sattler Company. Yeah, he made a, he made a comment about that too before she found it. I was like, oh, yeah, no, don't you don't you think they should have a fence up there or something? And like, um, and like kind kind of to like egg her on a bit where, um, to try to get get her in the line of thinking that he's thinking to make his his argument easier. Yep. So yeah, so we see Joyce pretty much stand up for him for herself. Tell him that, you know, I really don't need you around anymore. Get the fuck out. And she has it out and stands up for herself. And I was very proud of Joyce in that moment. She stood up for herself, kicked Lonnie out of the house. Lonnie was pissed off, but he knew there was no winning that fight. Because even Jonathan was basically now believing Joyce. So his little statement of you're being crazy kind of has backfired a little bit too. Because Joyce had that little glimmer in her eye. When Jonathan came in and was like, "Yeah, you're right. Like, Will's not dead," and that would only get uh, you know, bigger with time. Yeah. And the final little bit is we have a flashback scene of her talking to Will, which I thought was important too. Um, where Will's creating his D and D character, Will the Wise. He's definitely the mage of that party, and I. Th- think that might be a foreshadowing for what's to come but i won't say anything on that but i know you guys had your big uh dnd thing that you wanted to go on i don't know much about dnd however i will say this much that dungeons and dragons movie that came out earlier this year made me want to play it's very good they they held a lot i actually just watched it i watched it last week um, it's on Amazon Prime right now, um, and I thought they held it quite well to like, for example, like the one dragon that's in the movie that they had the, the flashback on with the with the battle, um, like that was an actual, like because it's a black dragon. Dragon, it's fused. Not, it's not acid. Acid is green, but the black one. It's like a toxic crap. Um, but like its breath weapon was like it was supposed to be like it just freaking just melted whatever was in front of it. It was great. Uh, necrotic. It was like something necrotic. Um, but it was, it was cool to actually, you know, touch on the different things about that. Um, but yeah, it was definitely, uh, yeah, I'm definitely intrigued by 
because I would love I do really enjoy the the homages to D&D and how they're using it as a way to be a way to help the storytelling to give a like no for example the upside down like they're using the D&D map I guess you could say to you know as a reference point and they're using those reference points for multiple things so far um and obviously with the uh I guess you guys are alluding to later with him being a um a mage like it definitely is a I'm interested how they're going to keep moving on that I, we probably, I probably should have took note what they were all were in the uh, first episode um when they yeah were I, I never took note of that either but Mike was definitely the dungeon master he was taking charge of yeah everything, he's a DM which which is definitely you in the situation Connor because during COVID you were the dungeon master I was a DM. Our little D&D campaign you got me into D&D for a very short time and uh I I found it a lot of fun, even though I probably ruined Connor's entire campaign while we played. Um, for those for those who know, Fair Tommy enough. was your uh, titular murder hobo, and I'm like, oh, you got to be kidding me! And trying to derail a murder everything. Hobo. Uh, or, murder let's, hobo. No, my character was a fucking ranger, was I not? Uh, in in name to... only. <laughs> Yeah, but still, I had the powers of a ranger. Like that was my, my starting point. You guys, you guys killed the pretty much first shopkeeper you met because you weren't happy with his prices. <laughs> was, that sounds like a murder hobo, Tommy. And that was probably the loudest would, laugh I've heard Nick's give on this show so far. Look, Nick's finally coming out of his. That, that sounds like a murder hobo. <laughs> Dude, I I I still have like flashbacks. I'm like, come that on, PTSD. Like something I would do, and uh, that sounds like something I would do in Skyrim. <laughs> Look, see, I I would say D&D that allows you to do anything and everything you want. We had missions that Connor very nicely set up and was definitely giving hints of what he wanted us to try and do. I was pushing you. I forward. took a different. I just took a different approach. Did the party suffer I for see. it sometimes? Yes. Did we have fun and cause complete chaos? Fuck yes. All thanks this is to all, me. This was also a COVID thing. Well, they were all... I was still working, but they were still... No. When I got home from work, I would put this on for them. It was at least a good way to stay in touch. Um, but yeah, it was definitely a... Because like, like, definitely DMing is, is a lot more, I guess, hands-on. Like, you have to actually prepare. Because you don't know what's going to happen. And Well, the, you know, the dungeon master has to prepare for everything. You, well, you the, basically the players too. Yeah. Um, but just but like, seeing yeah, the glimmer of hope played. leave Connor's eyes every time I made a decision I knew he didn't want me to make, and just the sigh that came over the microphone of just really just, just like that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, just like that. <laughs> yeah, but it was, and that's um, how I knew I was going in the right path. Uh, in your mind. <laughs> um, yeah. One, one thing that spoiler. Not what? not for the show, but this is not my highest graded episode of the show so far. It's, it's not. Thanks for that bit of information. <laughs> and I'll tell you why. It's because I just don't think there was quite enough, if, if you noticed something. We haven't really talked about many of the kids yet. Oh, we're We haven't here. talked about Eleven much. We haven't talked about Mike. It's just not really something that we've discussed much yet 
And I think that, yes, we'll get into it, but there's not a ton in the first, like, two-thirds of the episode that they do. No, they, they, they were a major part of more of the second half of the episode. But, so, we'll, we'll cut from there. We see... Uh, Hold on, I will say one thing, though, I will, oh, before you cut it. back. Um, with the... So, I thought it was very nice how they cut... Because they, you could see Joyce actually engaging with her son, like a parent should, where, like, she was trying to show interest into his hobbies. Like, oh, no... Why is the why is the no will the why shooting fireballs? Shouldn't he outsmart him? And like it's like oh sometimes like they your enemies are just as smart. You got you got to you know fight fire with fire sometimes, and it is very on point for is is very much a trope when it comes to wizards and D and D where one of the it, it's a classic spell for a reason and even to. I'm assuming they're playing probably second edition D and D or maybe even first, um, but like Fireball has always been like your I'm gonna I am just gonna wreck shit and it does that for and even to modern day D and D and five E where uh, five fifth edition that is where like you roll a ton of dice and just like all right everything in, in within this radius. Friend or foe, take this damage. Deal with it. And it's it's pretty much like the we call that the, the Tom factor in D and D. The the Just low level nuke chaos, pretty much a low level <laughs> nuke, and that's put it's pretty much what it is. And I thought it was very that was very fitting. It was like oh, of course he's throwing fireballs, but like, but you can see, but you can see how well will like his his mind of thinking though, like. How he he really is thinking strategically and you no know, understands how when it comes to people, you no know, there's there's a certain there's a certain situation or a, a certain method for each situation depending what you want. He's already thinking that far ahead at whatever age that's this this flashback is. I'm assuming it's not too far from the kids' ages now, but like. If he really has his mind of thinking, I'm kind of curious. You know, it, it doesn't surprise me that he's still alive. You know, if he is still alive, because you no, know, you see George still freaking out about it. Um, where he he's probably trying to outthink and he he himself's devising ways to get out where he's from. Yeah. So the final scene we see with Joyce and Hopper is Hopper comes to Joyce's house, bangs on the door. Joyce thinks it's Lonnie opens up, sees Hopper holding the sign. I don't remember what it actually said. I think it just said, don't say anything. And the poor bastard has to go through this entire house filled with lights. And I just went, why don't you just rip all the lights out and throw them outside? But he individually unscrewed every fucking christmas light on that ceiling i felt so bad for him i was like this guy is so stressed out he took the time to meticulously take apart every damn light and as we saw a few episodes ago she bought boxes and boxes and boxes of lights so finally after all that was done he basically tells joyce that hey i believe you will still alive the body was fake and we just see that like just that hope come back into joyce's face of like finally 
someone fucking believes me. She got that little glimmer from Jonathan, but to actually hear it from Hopper say, Will's body was a fake. We now see the Joyce-Hopper alliance form, and I was very excited. Connor, what'd you, Connor and Nick, what would you think of that little alliance starting to form? The weight was lifted off her shoulders. <laughs> yes. Like, like it's like a That's exactly what I said as soon as it happened. Yeah. And he was tired of shit, too. Over. Yeah. And I agree with you, Tommy, that he did, definitely did not have to screw through every individual, you know, bulb. Was to, this one of those moments that made you mad? Yes, absolutely. <laughs> uh, absolutely. Because you, you like, a man of reason, I know you would have done that. You would have taken all the way and said, fuck this, and throw him out the window. Yeah, because, <laughs> like, okay, so so given given the time that they're in, like, what could he have possibly, I guess, done with the wire once he, like, you know, got it? I Like, I think he would have probably, most likely, just destroyed it anyway. So why not just I agree. take all the lights and then just throw them out and then you're you, you, you done. I'm glad, I'm glad we share the same <laughs> mindset well, on this. Because if you, if, you, if you remove the wire anyway and then they listen in and then they just don't hear anything, then that's exactly. kind of an indicator already. So I, I just, I don't know. Didn't, I didn't understand that. I, I can kind of get it because the fact that Okay, so, so far, everybody's been thinking Joyce is the crazy one. All right? Hopper, you know, as seeing and also thinking she's a freaking wackadoo, then goes over to the lab, sees all the shit he's been seeing, and the wild crap that he, you know, saw with what they're hiding in their, I guess, basement, I'm assuming, what, what is in the lab. Like, at this point, like... I don't blame him for not taking on the whole rigging because of the fact that when he goes to the door, he thinks she might know more information than I know. And these lights are up here for a reason. Obviously he has it like, uh, um, obviously she has the things painted on the wall, like, no, to, to communicate with, like, he doesn't know what that means, but like Joyce has some methods for madness. And, I, I I get for him respecting that. Nope. Lights would have been out the door. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'll, I'll play devil's advocate. <laughs> yep. I would not have the patience, no matter how paranoid I was. If I walked in and saw that many lights, I'd be like, nope, work, it's going to take too long. Smarter. I have important things to say. Because you got to also think, he's got on his mind, hey, Will's not dead i need to tell joyce this but i gotta take out every fucking christmas light bulb first before i tell her this nah, we're gonna go yeah. over to like the forest or something <laughs> that's what we're gonna do so that kind of concludes that little storyline and then we switch over to the party and like mitchell was saying they didn't really have much of a role in this episode in the beginning but they definitely have an important one in the second half because um, we see them discussing in the beginning uh, what Will was saying the night before. And that's where we kind of get more of the D&D references where Eleven mumbles upside down. They kind of look at her like, what did you say? And Mike's kind of remembering when she flipped over the D&D board and was like, you know, this is where Will is. 
and they kind of get this idea of like, oh, Will must be in the upside down. Gee, no shit. And we flash forward a little bit forward into the Will's funeral, which I thought was kind of funny because the last episode at the little memorial service, they were getting pissed off at people being lighthearted at Will's little memorial service. But here they are making fun of all these people crying at Will's funeral because it's like, oh, Will's not dead. Oh, Will's going to laugh his ass off when he sees that this girl was crying at his funeral. And they're just sitting there being all immature and all the parents are like, what are you guys doing? Like, how could you guys be laughing? So I just thought it was kind of a little uh, funny little 180 that they pulled with how they're reacting to stuff about Will. Yeah, slight role reversal from uh, when his pants boy was laughing at the... Uh... At the uh, school, yeah, I don't remember his name. He's he's PPB for life. Yeah. <laughs> we, we don't quite care about that. <laughs> but um, yeah, and they, they, I really like the scene where Dustin's talking about the veil of shadows and the upside down because he starts explaining it how it's a dark reflection. Oh, for those of us not list or not actually here seeing, Connor's holding up his wonderful little D and D book. Oh, yes, I, the true, I, I, the true I have... Jersey nerd that he is. So in fifth, I had the fifth edition books. Um, because I got into playing, like actually playing, probably around like five, six years ago. Um, I've been following for ages though. Like Critical Role was the one that really got me into it in high school. Um, so the Veil of Shadows is now known as Shadowfall or Shadowfell, I guess you could say, and it literally is a. So there's two types of planes that mirror. Um, the 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 regular world that you usually play in, and you have Fey, the Fey Wild, which is pretty much all the weird, like pretty much if you're on like an acid trip in a way, like it's kind of that, but like in real world, I guess you can say, like you no, know, you have fairies. It's like the Prince of World of Fairies, like where they play tricks on you and riddles, and things aren't always as they seem. And then the other side of it is the Shadow Shadowfell, which is you no. Know, more the undead and um like for example like there is a there is a tower um called castle castle ravenloft and the very first vampire uh count strahd von zarovich is resigning there so it's very much like necrotic (laughs) is it's it's probably more german everything else because von is more of a german surname so but it's, it is a more like necrotic thing. Like, for example, they have um, Neverwinter is one of the main cities in the, uh, the regular D&D world. And it's actually, they've mentioned it in the D&D movie, Neverwinter. Um, and there is a mirror version of that in the uh, in Shadowfell called Evernight, where there are some humans there, but like, or more alive races, as you could say, that are the uh, necromantic um, no purveyors of human flesh, whippers of evil deities, but the thing is, the bulk of the population consists of like you no know, shambling dead zombies, vampires, undead, you know, all that fun stuff, and like a bunch of ghouls and stuff, which we'll get to. We actually see a good look at like very kind of I'm gonna say ghoulish, but like the monster kind of has like that kind of look to it, like a like a kind of golem in a way, like the kind of skin. Mm-hmm. Um, so. Yeah, that's my uh, little tangent on that. Continue. <laughs> so, 
like I was saying, I, I really like that scene where Dustin is describing it because you get that little kind of flashing back and forth with him and Hopper where Dustin's describing the Veil of Shadows and you see Hopper walking closer and closer to the gate of the Upside Down. I really like that scene. Um, but on from that, talking about the Upside Down, they end up going to Mr. Clark, their science teacher, because who else would we go talk to about random questions about alternate dimensions than our science teacher? Mr. Clark, the badass science teacher that he is. I feel like he really is a badass at home, and he's just... He's like that cool guy you just meet on the streets who just has random shit. Almost like Mr. Z from South Brunswick. If anybody remembers oh, Mr. Z. Yeah. He's the one you had as your teacher, right? For physics? What's that? Is that he's no, the one you no, had? No, no. Uh, Nick, you know who Mr. Z is. I know who Mr. Z is. Yeah, he, the hall monitor dude he, with the white hair? No, no. no he, oh, he, was a yeah, he was a substitute for like every teacher at one point. Yeah, he, he had like so many facts. He knew like, everybody. Literally, so, like, everybody would just go up to him, and ask like random shit. No he matter what the subject him. was, he would be there. But I feel like that's how Mister Clark is. He he's just like their confidant. Like anything they have to ask, they just go to him. But that's where me, we get. What's that? Yeah, for me, that was Doctor Benoff because <laughs> Benoff was the one. He was my honor physics teacher, and like I can really like we were going to. Um, different things like string theory and like, um, you know, I actually have a degree in physics. Um, but like, we, we actually go into stuff. And like, it kind of really spurred my interest in physics. Um, and like, like just, just during like lunch, we would just go and just bullshit and talk. You know, he, we watch like chess and stuff with him. And like, who's one of those like more chill, chill guys? Uh, more chill than Noble, who let us make a fucking jackass video for a physics project. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! Well, th- again, that was your physics project. You just tagged me along. It was, sure, and a legendary project. It was. That it was. <laughs> yeah, Nick wasn't even in our class, and he was part of our project. <laughs> I wasn't either. I'm here too. <laughs> you were forgotten by then. You were living a different life. Yeah, I was. Uh, <laughs> I was down south. Have you ever seen our jackass video? I have not. No, we mentioned it like last week, I think. But... <laughs> we we did, yeah. yeah. A couple people. Will my life be better off having seen it or not? Oh, you would definitely be better better off having seen it. It's, you it's a legendary lose, video. You might lose a brain cell or two, but you'd be better <laughs> off seeing it. it. It's if you lower your expectations of what you want it to be. You'll probably really enjoy yourself. <laughs> set set a bar for yourself, and then go even lower than that bar, so that that way. However, you're I, I think we really These found are all our, great things. We really found our stride in the blooper section of the video. The first half it had to be educational, so it was, you know we had to fit certain formats. But the blooper section, that was key. Mm-hmm. But anyway, so. <laughs> Off of that little tangent, we get Mr. Clark explaining to them how these alternate dimensions work, and that's where we get the title of the episode, The Flea and the Acrobat, where Mr. Clark explains how the difference between the acrobat and the flea and how they can travel across the little dimensional line. Connor, the smart man, might be able to explain a little better than I can. But... Uh, no, I thought it was a very, very good explanation for that. Um, like, to me... 
the using the flea to be able to you know kind of like a regular person can walk along a rope fine but the flea can walk upside up top of it the side of it below it um and does it with relatively e relative ease and i thought it was a very very good description of you no know, sometimes sometimes you can change um your point of where you're working from like i know some there's like some physics project problems we work on like if you change your view on something the answer you might be looking for might be a little easier to see and i, I like i thought the flea was a very good analogy to say oh look at the problem this way and then it makes a lot more sense to someone who isn't really as uh you know you know the kids are still young they're not as versed in science um, or of that kind of that kind of thinking that is like you know one thing that I always like like about science in general, especially physics, is like you have to critically think. You have to think outside the box in order to you know to think of a solution to what you're working on. And I, I think that this teacher has been a very good like. Obviously, they're very close with him, and they've been working the AV club with him, and he's definitely make he's definitely a proponent of pushing it. And you also know he, he also plays D and D because he knows exactly what they're, what they're talking about. With the oh, Shadows. Hell yeah. He, he picks up on, I was like, Oh yeah, I know you're talking about. Um, which I thought was a nice little, nice little tidbit there. And I thought it was very, I thought it was a great role model for those kids who are more on the outcast of the school uh, within the school that is, and someone that they can, aspire to honestly like no we're gonna look up to when it comes to like these kind of things yeah but then he also sets them kind of on the path of danger because he tells them exactly how to you know what to look for because you know to make a gate into this upside down you need an amount of extreme energy that is not possible to have and it would alter uh the magnetic fields and everything and dustin kind of has that brain spark afterwards of hey our compasses aren't working right. And they kind of come up with this theory of like, oh, if we follow wherever this big magnetic field is, we'll find the gate. So if Mr. Clark didn't tell them this, they might have been safe and never walked right into danger. But here we go. We have the gang following their compasses because, you know, what's a good kid back in the 80s without having a compass? Because do you have a compass, Mitchell? Uh, on my phone because <laughs> like nowadays i don't know if that would work no yeah, well, uh gps the phone one is uses uses gps in order to so like, so like nowadays with modern technology would that have affected it do you uh think? probably not because gps works on using a four-point coordinate system so your x y and z and also time so it, it would it would you, you communicate from um, the two-inch GPS tells tells you your location or and time how far you're away from the satellite, and by doing so, it can triangulate where you are. And because of that, it doesn't really use ultra like for a compass. It uses the Earth magnetism to work on that. The phone does not do that whatsoever. Well, I guess it's a good thing they this takes place back in the '80s when they didn't have good technology. So if it happened nowadays, we never would have found that gate. That's why I think a lot of movies and shows are set in the 80s, 70s. It's that, it's that, that perfect thing. time frame. 
Yeah, so that you can't just just solve all your problems with a cell phone. Yeah, it's just modern enough that you can throw cars and phones into play, but not advanced enough where you can have people just like, oh, if I just Google it, we'll find the answer. Yep. They don't mind that necessarily. Yeah, so we have our gang pulling a straight up homage to, ah, what was the name of the movie? The Train Track movie. Yes. Stand by Uh, me. Stand That's by it. me. Stand by me. All time great. So of course we have that perfect correlation there of them walking along the train tracks, and Lucas is instantly calling out Eleven for being quieter than normal, which I thought was an odd thing to say, seeing as how little she fucking talks. But <laughs> was, Lucas, it, it, was it? Hold on, it was not I mean, quieter than normal. It was it was weirder than normal. Because <laughs> I think that because you're right, definitely what right that she doesn't talk, but like. She definitely was like fidgeting back by Mike. Yeah. Like, so like I don't blame him. He's he's always been the right. spe- the what's the um, skeptical one. Yeah. He he's he's very uh, confrontational. He he's mm-hmm. very quick to just get in her face and call her out on so- whatever think whatever he thinks is on his mind of that she's doing, which in this case he was right. Because she kept telling Mike of like, oh, like, you know, we probably shouldn't go here. We should turn back. And turns out she was fucking with the compasses the whole time and leading them into the complete wrong direction. And then which we get Lucas calling him out, calling her out on this, calling her the monster and saying, well, maybe you're the monster. Lucas has just been waiting to just go off on oh, a left. Absolutely. Since you episode one. He's yeah. had that in the bag for a while. Yeah. He, he just like, I don't even have to lot of, think about it. <laughs> he, he's got a lot of you know pent up anger against her because he just doesn't trust her, which I can understand. But it's just he always gets right in her face and just yells at her, yells at her, yells at her. And Mike, of course, has to stand up for her. And then they get into a little fight, and then we see L unleash her full fury on Lucas and send him flying across. And man. I felt bad for him, but he deserved it. Did he though? Not really, but it was you know, he he was calling her mean things. He was being a little bit of a bully there. It wasn't fully justified. Well, it didn't we justify also... being it didn't justify being flown across the yard and getting knocked out. But I think a little bit of a pushback from Eleven was deserved. Well, the other thing too is. She also, I don't know if in her mind we're seeing this flashback because that's when the flashback comes up where she it's kind of I interluded guess, into the scene, yeah. So, like, where she she first, I guess, met the monster or went to the upside down when she was oh, um, looking at or going to overhear, I guess, some uh, Russian operative. Keep in mind, this is Cold War era, um. So U.S. tensions with Russia is still pretty much at its peak, and no, of course, United States intelligence wants to know what Russian operatives are are talking about. So they're having her eavesdrop on him, and I think it's definitely interesting how I get. I guess my theory is on this is that how Eleven knows about the Upside Down is that she uses it as a medium in order to be able to 
interact yeah. with um to interact with this outside world the world where she needs to overhear someone um she was as she used as a means to a way um but not knowing that it could be possibly i'm assuming um i'm a, this this is a I guess this could be a prediction. I want to throw it out here now. Okay. Um, so when Hopper was in that room with the weird crap that the uh, the, the gateway would say, mm-hmm. there was a tank in there, I think. And I think that's what was Eleven's tank that she used. And I think that she, I think, I think she might've opened the gateway, not knowing what she was dealing with in the first place. And then, how this all came about could be the um, how this all came about is the aftermath of maybe her going too deep because remember remember the Dr. Brenner told Eleven, hey, this is the furthest one yet. So in order to get into that, that weird subzone, I guess you could say of the upside down, her having to interact with the upside down for so long triggered these events and that that that's my current theory right now of what's happening um i like that um definitely worth noting that the deprivation tanks that she was in seem to amplify her powers and her ability to actually do what they wanted her to do mm-hmm. yeah because we we see in the last episode where she was just sitting at the table, she was able to use the devices to basically channel his voice through the rate, the intercom system. But here in the deprivation tanks, she was able to actually go physically see him. And that will definitely play a little bit into future events in the show, but I will say nothing more on that. Yeah. Um, and for those who don't know, like, uh, what he means about deprivation tank is that it's a tank that is specially designed to kind of cut off your senses of things. So, like people use it for meditation and stuff, where you would submerge yourself in water. Uh, what's the What's that one movie with the weirdos with the balls and like they predict like different events happening? Mitchell, you know it's one or not? Minority Report. Thank you. I knew you were called out. Oh, that was a good movie. Great movie. Um, <laughs> so, it, so That's what Tom happen- Cruise's best. Yes. So, um, so how it works is like you, it's it's a situation where you like you actually gotta really get inside your own mind because the fact that there's no senses, you can't see anything, you really can't feel anything, and you like from people's experiences, it's really weird and like like an out of body situation, and kind of makes sense in this case because she's really out of body listening to some guy across the world. And speaking of movie references, this was actually supposed to be referencing a 1980 American science fiction body horror film called Altered States, which the plot of the movie basically revolves around the, uh, let's see, a psycho psychopathologist conducting research with isolation tanks under the influence of psychoactive drugs like ketamine and LSD. Great combination. Yeah. <laughs> so, thought that was an interesting little fun fact there. About good old deprivation tanks. I've, I've never seen that, so... I have I've not. nothing to add. I, I have nothing to add either. I just thought it was a little interesting to read off there. 
All right, continuing but, um, with the uh, group, though. The party. Yeah, I, I think that kind of concludes up um, with them basically splitting the party because after that, Lucas gets up really pissed off, understandably, and storms off. And Eleven is mysteriously missing again. So I'm curious if we'll see her just show up in Mike's basement the next episode or she'll be somewhere else. We'll see. In the show notes, may- I have I have to ask you, Tommy. Um, yes. Was you saying don't split the party on purpose as a reference to yes. D&D or no? Yes. Okay. Let's make sure. Everybody, I, I, knows, everybody <laughs> knows the crucial rule. You never split the party. <laughs> Okay, at least at least I definitely hung into you guys. Like, no, as you, you only playing the one D and D session with me. Like, I at I least said drove that to home. Please you, because I know I split the party, and you were very pissed <laughs> off at me for doing it. But it was fun when I did it. I stand by my decision. Logistically, but, people, it sucks. <laughs> but strategically, you never split the party, and time after time, this group seems to love to just split apart, and chaos happens, and they need to come back together. But with that, that ends the parties section of the story. And we end on the final little little coupling of the show. Nancy and Jonathan. The love triangle continues. Connor, Nick, are you on Team Jonathan or Team Steve? We need – the people want to know. I'm on Team Get Them Off the Camera. Because they're annoying me. That's the team that I'm on. That's certainly an opinion. There's a right side of history to be on, though. Look, look. The American people were and an eighteen Jonathan just said. The American people were enthused with the love triangle of Bella and Edward, and uh, what was the other guy's name? Uh, Jacob. And we had nothing after Twilight. Jonathan, Steve, and Nancy. Did you not? Did you not the see the Hunger Games? Nope. That no. That has that does not compare. Does not compare. No, to, it does. To Jonathan, yeah, it does. Nancy, and Steve. No way. It, it got it, it. They they really did. Come on. I remember these on Twitter. They kind of feud some things. Yeah. No, dude. You gotta come on, man. Show some respect. Look, if Nancy was Taylor Swift, we could have the most amazing album ever made. Off of what does that have to do with anything? That is such a I'm weird just throwing it out there. I'm just throwing out. If if you put Taylor Swift into Twilight's position, into uh, Hunger Games' position, would you have an epic of an album if you replaced Nancy with Taylor Swift? I don't uh, even know what you're referring to right now. I don't refer to anything. If you replace <laughs> Jennifer Lawrence with say. Taylor Swift, yes. <laughs> Listeners, I. You take a massive nosedive in the acting yes, department. We, we are going this is coming from someone who just saw the Eras Tour movie this weekend and loved it. So I am by no means a Taylor Swift hater, but that yeah. woman can act. Listeners, I'm sorry for this discussion. <laughs> Blame Tom. I just wanted to get something good out of Mitchell. Boo. I wanted Boo. to get a good, Boo. Hey, I I also to get a good Taylor Boo. Swift conversation, and you're ruining it. No, you just know that her name gets <laughs> clicks or whatever, and huh, I'm sorry. You good people deserve better. You get the gladiator thumbs thumbs down. But any anyway, back to the initial question: Are we Team Jonathan or Team Steve? Steve, easy. Steve, 
Connor, by, Nick? by default, yeah. By default, you're Steve. Yeah. Really? Not that I'm happy about it. No, you uh... you you can stick with Team Get Off the Damn Camera. I mean that that's the team I am. As on. long as you take a stance, and that is a stance. No, that Look, that is. We're gonna see, we're gonna see your opinions change over the next couple seasons. We need that's to know true. what the that's initial true. reaction is now. Mine doesn't, for the record. I'm, I guess at least Steve at at least this is a moment. I guess Jonathan. Oh, oh, hot take, Connor. Hot take, hot Connor. take. <laughs> yes. Okay. Okay. Yes. In all fairness, <laughs> the camera, the the Photoship is creepy as fuck. It's getting out of the way. It's now. a disqualifier. Put, put that aside. I, I get that. It's a disqualifier. I don't. The one thing I will say is that I have respect Jonathan for calling Nancy out on her shit because yes. of the fact that I thought when they were snow talking, like, oh, um, when they were going out in the woods, I don't know if that far on the, uh, not that far on the show dock, but whatever. Um, they, have, they have a little cutesy little whatever. Who cares about that crap? No, Jonathan can't shoot the can. Nancy actually comes up one shot the can. Great. Um, and then there's the Bambi reference with Thumper, um, which I thought was very funny. Um, Fine, whatever. Yours are stuff. But when actually, when Nancy gets into, you know, Nancy talks about her relationship with her parents, and then so does Jonathan with, about his parents. And now Nancy also sees how we kind of see the relationship where um, the mother actually is the prominent figure, and the dad's just there. And she, Nancy, goes into it talking about the um, the the mother married young. Well, the dad had money, status, I won't say status, but like, no, a um, solidified, structured living in a way where she she's guaranteed, the wife that is, the, the mother, um, she's guaranteed a household and a good life for whoever family she would have. Um, but it's not much of a family at all. And, uh, and Jonathan talked about his defunctional family. Um, but when they actually are looking out to go find this no monster no like no you can see nancy trying to justify steve and no she of course cares for him no as all teenagers do like they're full bag of emotions and no she goes she gets into it's like oh steve's not a bad guy you gotta give him a chance whatever no obviously she's trying to in my mind she's trying to justify herself for dating him um and then Again, like, who knows? Jonathan, you can tell he definitely has like, those anti-social tendencies. No, uh, where he mentioned before, he, he sees life through the camera because you can, you know, try to see the the true versions of what you know what he's seeing. He's trying to capture that, uh, and you no, know, she she's mad at Jonathan. It's like, oh, you don't you don't see the guy that I see, and he goes back at her and is like. Like, uh, the person I'm seeing now isn't the person that at least he grew up with. Like, as I'm assuming their family's kind of, like, at least with the brothers, they're kind of close. They, they at least know each other growing up. It's a small town. And so I think Nancy gets a little butthurt by that comment because he's basically relaying exactly what Barb was telling her in that first episode. 
Mm-hmm. That's a good you point, don't fit, too. You don't fit in with this crowd, and she's kind of getting upset of, you remind me of Barb. Barb's why we're out here right now. And she definitely well, he, was a little upset that Jonathan called her out. And no, and I think, well, he went even the next step, though, and made the connection of, oh, you're going to marry some some jock, and you're going to be just like your mother. Uh, and you're going to be in the same situation your mother's in. Um, and no, have a unfulfilled life. And that, that fucking stung her. Like that was like, that was a verbal slap in the face. And I was like, Hey, Mitchell's getting antsy. Mitchell, what's wrong? It it rung to me as somebody (laughs) going, how can I play this to my advantage? I got it. You're going to be just like your parents. Get with the creepy guy. That's 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 what you need to be doing. Fuck out of here with that. That just when she immediately goes, that's some bullshit. I think I said it at the same time as her. So, but he, nah, he Jonathan was kind of is, right though. But but, but right. at the same time, I don't know because if she if he is. play play the hypo, play the hypothetical situation of her marrying Steve. And Steve's it also dad, rang to me as jealousy because he didn't have that whole like white picket fence. But you know what? If there wasn't that jealousy, thing. we wouldn't have this beautiful love triangle that we love to watch. Do we love to watch it? I mean, Absolutely. Nick over here does not sound like he loves to watch it. <laughs> I'm He's just invalidating Nick's opinion. Okay, okay. for those who don't, we have our cameras on, and Nick's just Nick like had a lot of in the back of his chair, and we haven't heard many complaints yet. Nick, you've been awfully quiet. I don't, I don't have any complaints, but you know, when, when you're all <laughs> talking at the same time, it's hard to like get anything in, you know. Let's jump all. in, Nick. Where's yours? Jump in. No, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't really have much to say. <laughs> jump time, in, but, Nick. No, um, I don't know. I the think, thing with Jonathan I, that pissed me off is that he didn't even know how to fucking hold a gun or shoot it. First of all, I mean, by God, the, the, the can was not that far away from him, and his shoulders are twitching, like, unbelievably. And, of course, Nancy just comes out of nowhere and all of a sudden hits it dead on. Like, come on. That, well, yeah, that kind of... It had to show a little bit of a... That kind of threw me off. Character. We weren't expecting to see Jonathan be a little pansy with the gun. Wait, but, we but he, definitely not so expecting he, Nancy to come so out. He and knows, little... So he knows how to get the gun out of what I assume is his dad's car's glove box. He knows how yes. to pick it with a knife, but he can't figure out how to shoot. Like, I don't know. Just... Hey, d- different, that, different, that, that, uh, that kind of different skill set. Different skill set. Some people know how to go grocery shopping, but don't know how to cook food. I, I don't I mean, know what to say. I, I guess. That, that's a problem, <laughs> though. If, if that's the thing. So, but, Tommy, are you on Team Jonathan? I... We have to flip it over because you have you have not you have not announced what your team you I, are. I did not yet, give sir. my answer. I, that's right. Not disclosed. Uh, that hypocrite smokes hard, two packs a day. Hard it's hard for me to answer having seen the whole show. At this point in time in season one, I'm Team Jonathan. Later later on, I'm Team Steve. But I hey, can't Steve, say Steve. why. But okay, and Jonathan, let's, let's, Jonathan's the shy underdog. Jonathan's what, what? a creepy perv. He's he's a creepo. Doesn't matter. But all, but also, like, for example, if, 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 if dog or okay, not, he is. Let's. Weird. But like, 
Yeah, it's a violation what he did earlier. Like, right. let's say, for what? example, you replaced what? that with a different violation <laughs> and she he peed on her head or something. And, and you would and be like, Steve wow, also... get away from the guy who just pissed on your head. Oh, Tommy, I want I, I, Nancy into having sex with him just for fun. And also, when Steve Barb is, out is for just still... for the booty call. No, no, no. Steve's Steve's a little bit deeper than that. I'm telling no, you. No, at least okay. I, I, someone again. You guys are seeing past from what I'm seeing right now. We just had Steve when she was Nancy had that scene where he was trying to figure out how to throw swing a bat, which I thought was very funny. Um, so Steve came up and was like, "Oh, no, let's go catch a movie." Like to him, at least at least in my vantage point, Steve has. A one-track mind of no, okay he's just trying to have a good time and his good time is get back into her pants at least at least to my not, to not my necessarily view. hey man Be just... because because the fact that if he was actually caring for nancy then he would be a lot more supportive because the fact that her best friend's currently missing her brother is currently his brother technically just had a funeral for no his best friend and there is no he has no care in the world for whatever's happening her in her life at least in my vantage point i just don't see it that way i just see it as like all right we've uh it's it's high school shenanigans our, like yeah exactly yeah but at the same time no i i feel like that he uh he definitely like if you're a parent like you don't to me, like I wouldn't want my kids dating either one of these kids. Like, I, I that, that's fair. Like, like it's two sides of the same coin of like this kid's a weirdo, but also this kid's an asshole. No, to either one of them. Two genres of high school boys, right there. <laughs> it pretty much it, trust me, the, the director's doing a great job of portraying them both as the assholes right. that they are, or the we the defaults that they have. But I have no, I have no love for Ejo either one. They can both care. But yeah, I, they, currently, right now, like Jonathan, they, they Lee's... both have their faults. Is what I was trying to say before. Yes. Despite despite Jonathan's creepiness, he's just that shy, awkward kid that doesn't know how to approach the girl, and he's finally in a position where he can. Because, let's be honest, we were all kind of like that in middle school ourselves. We were not exactly the uh, sharpest of shooters, but we were definitely no Steves. I was much more the awkward side. I'll tell you right now, it took me a while to break out of my cage. Holy shit! I know I fucking was. Hey man, I managed a way to make it work eventually. So when you were Steve, when you were Steve. No, I I had I had one person that I was after in high school. It made it sound like I was like trying to murder them. Jonathan, and, you know, <laughs> it probably didn't work out to my benefit in the long run, but. <laughs> Nah, it's all high school shenanigans. Like, whatever exactly. it, is what it is. Yeah. By the way, we we lost Nick Nick for a bit. We'll see if we get him catch catch him back. But this is going pretty long, so we just wrap this up. Yeah. So we can cut this part out. But um, yeah, I say we just quick do the little continue part of just go finish up the last scene, and then we'll go into predictions. Hopefully, Nick can get back in by then. Yeah, who cares? Um, Nothing. Cut this out. We're good. Yeah. All right. So yeah. So final scene is we get 
Nancy and Jonathan going through the woods, tracking down this little wounded deer they find. Deer gets dragged off. Magically, it's all of a sudden nighttime. And Nancy manages to find another random portal into the Upside Down. How these things just keep popping up, I still don't understand. But we find another portal. Nancy goes in without Jonathan knowing. And we finally see it. The monster. The Demogorgon. Connor, what were your first reactions to that? Um, so this is probably the part where Nick got pissed off. Um, at least to me, because I thought I was pissed off. Like, uh, Nancy, what the hell are you doing? I was like, no, no, don't do that. Don't do that. What are you doing? Stop it. Stop it. Like, even like the way, like, it looks fleshy. And the, uh, like, it's weird. Like, is like, why would someone go in there? And she does. I'm like, stupid, stupid, stupid girl. It's because Nancy's got some balls. She was ready to go in. She didn't have the gun. <laughs> she, did, she didn't even take the bat with her. How that dumb could you be? Like, if you're going to Bear's Den, you take something with you. She took nothing. That is very true. Ugh. Yeah, I, I kind of was screaming. And then, of course, you had that scene with her backing up. And you hear the crunch. Like, ah, it's, it's that cliche moment every time of just that little crack. I was waiting for a twig to snap, but that didn't happen. But, yeah, we just get the full full display of the monster for a quick second. She screams. Jonathan hears it. And that this scene made me scream because Jonathan literally runs right next to the tree that she went through. Should have seen some sort of opening, but doesn't. It just keeps running along, screaming Nancy's name. And that is the end of episode five. Nancy is now trapped in the upside down. We have another lost soul. Do we think she's going to die? I don't think so. Connor? So I will I give my predictions now. Everybody. My, my two is either, I think Nancy finds Will. Okay. Because obviously that they, uh, um, obviously, I think, I think it looks like Will has his head and his shoulders where at least they're portraying him that way, like how the directors are. Um, and maybe he's already found Barb. I don't know. Um, but he's at least, a, he's at least been aware and he's figured enough things out that like, he's able to start communicating with his mom. He's least finding ways to get up by the monster he hasn't found a way out yet but like he's starting to at least trying to piece it together and like of course if nancy's there i'm assuming she's not gonna die either because obviously from you guys talking like there's she's gonna survive yeah um but like i think that i think we're gonna have a lot more upside down um another thing too is um I mentioned this earlier is when when uh hopper was in the basement even that looks like it's kind of bordering through the upside down already where you're having those little like flecks of i wouldn't say dust like i would say particles like that are like that are floating in the air it looked just like the upside down did um where he, nancy he was, was he was in that room where the wench was in that last episode. yeah but, but it was not like that before no, it's so, already starting so, to spread. 
so yeah, so it's it's kind of like taking over the area, and like that whole thing's starting to become a gateway. Yeah, I guess you can say. Um, yeah, and then I, I, if after this, I'm assuming Jonathan teams up with the boys because I bet he's fucking freaking out. Um, okay. Because why wouldn't he? And the one person that actually believed him is now gone, or unless he gets Hopper. That's either one or the other. So. Um, we'll see what, what what team he joins up, but we'll find out if he does even even joins a team up. But I think he joins up one of them. So yeah, I, I like that prediction a lot. So I All think right. we go uh, right but into gee. the episode predictions. Oh yeah, uh, uh, episode. I'm sorry, episode ratings. Yes, uh, I'm giving this nine point one. I was I was very very happy with it. I always enjoy that. Song. Oh wow. Um, again, I, I thought it was better than last week's episode. It keeps getting better to me. Like. Nice. Um, I like it came to a point where I'm like, at the end of that, I'm like, it was such a good cliffhanger, too. I'm like, yeah, like, I want to I see the next one, and I, I really like how it's going. The little little tidbits and like the sneaky stuff, like, I like the like the science behind it, how they portray things. It was a very great pacing episode, smart how they were doing things, and like actually talking about how, like. The world building is really flushing out, and they're doing such a good job of doing it too. I really appreciate that. Um, yeah. Uh, Nick gave it eight point seven. He just text text that into us. Uh, perfect. Uh, Tommy, I, I'm going to give it a solid nine. Not also high for you as well. I'm not going to throw any decimals into this. Just to drive Mitchell crazy, it's gonna be a solid nine. That's that it. doesn't drive me crazy, <laughs> dude. It, it, again, we've been over the last week. A nine is a nine point zero for you. I know. Yeah, but overall, yeah, it, it definitely was the best episode so far. The cliffhanger Funny. is always the the big thing for me. I love a good show with that can throw cliffhangers in there and really fuck with you. We had the privilege of at least being able to go right into the next episode. We're kind of torturing you and Nick by having to wait a few days before you can watch the next episode. I'm enjoying. I'm enjoying the tor- torture, honestly. <laughs> I it, it makes me look forward to it. Yeah. But and by I'm, the way, I'm Mitchell, Mitchell, as far as Mitchell, that goes as well. Mitchell gave a flat nine last week, so you ain't doing shit. But get off my ass. <laughs> <laughs> um, Mm-mm. that that will not happen. Um, this week and shocker, I'm gonna be the lowest one on this episode, but not by much. As this week is going to be an eight point six seven. That's still your that's still your second highest rating. Exactly. No, that's I still really like this episode. It just wasn't it wasn't at the highs of last week's for me personally because I think it was more spread out and. Maybe that means more to me than it does to you guys. I don't know. Maybe I just liked from episode one to episode last the most. I don't know. But this was still a solid week, and it's not it's not you know taking away from any excitement for me whatsoever. Um, I'm I'm really looking forward to seeing how they wrap things up because if I'm not mistaken, this is an eight episode season, right? Yep, we are officially We're coming in the second to half. the end of the first season yep. we're only three more left to go so we have an average of 8.8675 or for those who want don't care 8.87 rounded which is pretty good it's it's done it's it's pretty much been going up for for the exception for episode two 
it's been going up pretty steadily and fair enough to me like as the as someone who does like real science and nerd shit i thought this would hit every single note that i wanted so i am very pleased what's up it's been a long one did today give, boys did you give your right yeah you, you gave it a yeah. Even nine. yeah sorry yeah give it yeah give it that flat yeah that's we, right what, is, what does that come out to 8.87 is that the highest so far yes uh by it by uh by point two or point oh okay sorry. so it was no, oh point one two no point one two sorry either way it's very close yeah it's moving up all right well that'll wrap things up for season one episode five next up uh of course to uh all of our listeners out there who can count it's season one episode six this one called the monster so i think that'll pick up right where we left off with this one and uh not keep you waiting too long to see kind of where things go for connor vandermark and tommy grant as well as nick izzo who you know i i, I guess the internet dropped out on him or something while we were you were recording he clearly got attacked by the monster Clearly, he's lost the upside down. We'll see if we can find him before next week. I'm Mitchell Lee. Thanks for listening to Stranger Nerds, and we'll be back next week.